Gentlemen and ladies, welcome to 102.1, The Veg Table. I am your host, Cauliflower Colin. <laughs> welcome to The Vegetable, to my co-host, whose name is... Uh, wait, is this like vegetable meaning a table of veggies? <laughs> that is it. A table of vegetables. Veg table. Uh, you can call me Sammy Salami. I'm the oh. one piece of meat that found its way on the veg table, pissing everyone off, keeping everyone <laughs> honest, though. You had nothing but salami? Oh, I love Just it. Just salami. All right. Ruining all right. the veg party? Wow, I really thought I had something with the, the veggie tales, veggie table there. I thought that was Someone, it. it's a real, like, whodunit, like a mystery. <laughs> Who brought that salami and put it on the table? Also, oh. the image of just, like, slapping a salami on the table, upsetting. <laughs> I don't like it. When Ben Stiller and Heavyweights finds the salami in, and he goes, oh, my, a deli meat. <laughs> he bends a deli it. meat. He bends it. Oh, it's so funny. It flops. Oh. <laughs> Ladies and oh gentlemen, this is, of course, not 102.1. This is not the vegetable. I am not Cauliflower Colin, and my co-host is not Sammy Salami. This is Bard to Death. I am one of your hosts, Colin Apshabear. Bard to Death is a podcast of stories, a storytelling podcast, as it were, uh, that keeps us from being <laughs> bored to death. I am joined by my close friend from high school, friend of 13 years, hmm. uh, and co-host. Ryan Shaver. That's my, that's my that's cue. Sorry. Uh, Ryan, friends, is our bard tonight, which means he is our... Medieval Gaelic epic storyteller, poet, entertainer, mm. um, who is going to be telling us a story. I have not heard this story before. I'm very excited to hear it. Each week, one of us is the bard, and the other one is the audience, participates along with you. Let's get into it. Let's bard it out. Let's get bardcore. Ryan? Bardcore. This, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Um we did put a timestamp on this podcast. The current year is 2018, but let's wind back the clocks to <laughs> the halcyon days mm. of 2007, because mm. um, that's when my story takes place. Dude, 20, 2007, motion scene soundtrack. I'm, just, I'm uh, immediately thinking of transatlanticism, I think, was yeah, maybe yeah. four or seven. We had um, the Death. late... Oh, man. Go ahead. Late George Bush years, those were the days, right? Oh. Good times. <laughs> Country was going to hell. Yeah. Recession was around the corner. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't really working out, actually, in the long <laughs> run, but um, it felt good. And so I was 17. I was a junior in high school. Mm. So between uh, junior and senior year, actually. So headed into the best year of my life, um, or what was told would be the best year of my life. Spoiler, not. But the big summer vacation that my family had planned was the kind of classic trip to Europe. Mm. So it was going to be my family, which is six people. It's a big family, four siblings, two parents. And we were going to do England and France, kind of uh, a classic tour um, of London and Paris and the countryside and well, we did Ireland too. 
Mm-hmm. It was going to be a 10-day extravaganza, all expenses paid by, by <laughs> El Padre. Mm-hmm. And it was... 17 is really the worst age to go on a Europe trip because you uh, can't really do any of the classic things that make a Euro trip fun, like drinking for the first time, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you're old enough to like enjoy it, but not old enough to fully enjoy it. So you're still kind of like your worst self at 17. So I, <laughs> I wish I could have had this vacation two years later or two years earlier. Mm-hmm. earlier. I would have been more innocent or I would have been more grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and going with us was actually my cousin and who was kind of one of my best my best friends, I was his best man in his wedding. And about 10 days before the trip, his dad, my uncle, uh, died really mm-hmm. suddenly. It was unexpected. He was 47, pretty young. I remember this. Just, yeah, he yeah. just died on a run. He had a uh, heart attack, and it was tragic. And so obviously that consumed us. Uh, but then the question is it, of the Is this your cousin on your mom's side, dad's side? Did you say that? Did I miss it? Is on my mom's side, yeah. Okay. And again, he's not just my cousin. I mean, he really is one of my best friends. I, yeah. I stood next to him at the altar. And this was uh, really mm. world-shaking. And obviously the vacation was super, super ancillary to this. But then the question comes up. It's like, well, like, do we continue to go on this vacation? Like, mm. we can't bring my uncle back and uh, we'll lose thousands of dollars. And we're going to go. And then I asked my cousin, is do you want to come? Of course, no one will blame you if you want to stay. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, I think this vacation is what I need to get you know, get out of the States, get away from my town, not think about it for a bit. So it was heavy. The The context for this vacation was kind of heavy and very real. Um, so all that to say, we were flying. We have <laughs> my family. So there's... Uh, Again, six of us plus my cousin, that's seven. My dad had four first-class seats and three coach seats. <laughs> <laughs> parents parents got first-class. Mm. Older, uh, older, younger sister got it. She was like 14 at the time or something. And then my youngest sister was like five at the time, so she mm. got first-class. So the three boys are just crammed in this horrible... Oh. It's not that bad, but it's just like the leg room. I got middle. I'm the tallest of the three. We do this transatlantic flight. Totally is it we, is it completely <laughs> inappropriate for me to ask why your cousin wasn't considered for first class? <laughs> is anyone else <laughs> is anyone else thinking this in the audience? Like, I hate to just break this beautiful. I mean, this really ho- holy. I mean, beautiful, serious moment. But I mean, was, does that not get you into first class? <laughs> Father passes away tragically. Um, did no one say like we got to give him? You got to. You can't. You can't get a warm fly, towel after your kid, dad dies. Let the kid fly the plane. My gosh. Okay, <laughs> that's dude. I'm, that's just sorry. That was surprising to me. So, care, so your younger sister's like, nah, I'm taking it. It's mine. Shows how self-absorbed I am. I'm still. I'm like I should have gotten in. I was six feet. <laughs> I know you said I had a middle seat and I was the tallest one. Did you really think you were the runner up? You thought you were the runner up for first class? I thought I just missed the podium. Oh, man. I hope that's not inappropriate. I hope that's strangely beautiful that we can laugh about it now. 11 years later, I've never thought of that. That's not a great (laughs) metric for my life. That's okay. 
Can you can you share your cousin's name? Are you not with? Are we not going there? We're not doing names. We did my cousin Jordan. Okay. Um, good man, great man. We're I just I want to I want to give the you know I want to put a name to the. I've met him a couple times. He's a good guy. Great guy. Love you. Love you, Jay. We love um, you, man. Okay. We do the red eye from Houston to Paris. This is a long flight, uh, mm. 10, 11 hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. We land in Paris in the morning, and we meet up with the rest of my family in Charles de Gaulle Airport mm. after deep deplaning. Four first-class travelers, super well-rested, had a croissant, had a cafe, had some slippers, free, <laughs> free stuff. I'm just, we're all, the three guys, my brother, my cousin, and I, crank, crank city. Just mm. didn't sleep a wink. Yeah. Back, back, got a back problem now. Um, <sighs> how long, how long is that flight for those of those of us, myself included, who have yet to make it to Europe? How long is that flight? <laughs> yeah, I think I said it was 11 hours or so. <laughs> Did um, you say that already? I, I, my I'm listeners so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I got to be honest, man. I'm zoned out. No, no, not at all. I'm just still sad and kind of uh, stoic about your cousin. I forgot that that was the context. Yeah, it was. My heavy. gosh, that's so heavy. I'm sorry. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I did kind of feel this like mm. I wanted him to go, but then I was also nervous. I was like, man, I really want him to have a good time, and mm. I felt this and need to like really ha- be a good cousin and friend in this trip. And so there was some pressure yeah. on this trip. I wanted it to go well and be the respite that he needed. And that could really drop down your chances of first class if he's with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I got it. I can edit that, that out if you want. <laughs> Keep going. Keep. <laughs> All right. So trip gets off on. Uh, you guys are not, I mean, you're, you're 11 hours in coach. That's brutal. Dude, we just, we just, and you just don't understand the consequences of jet lag. So not mm. sleeping on that red eye means now you have to go another 12 hours mm. in the hot Parisian touristy Louvre while everyone's gazing at the Mona Lisa. You're moaning <laughs> in the corner. Mm. Um, just pissy for i totally blew the first few days of this trip just Mm. wasted because i didn't understand yeah i didn't understand what to do Mm -hmm. um but three or four days into the trip we finally get some momentum sleep schedule is catching up you know we're all and are your brother are your brother and cousin are they in the same situation physically are they just trying to catch up from sleep and they're yeah exhausted too and we all, we all, yeah, exactly. But we do catch up. And so the Paris portion of the trip was kind of wasted. But mm. after Paris, we went into the French countryside. And around, I was 17, brother was 20, cousin was 16. We're all super into World War II at this time. Mm. We're playing Call of Duty. We're watching Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, it's kind of what a teenage guy is into. And so my dad was taking us to Normandy, which is where D-Day happened, mm-hmm. the invasion of Normandy, which launched the Allied invasion of Western Europe in World War II. And so we got a private guide, not even like one of these bus tours. We got the kind of the living expert to take just us on a walking tour of Normandy. We went wow. you know, across, across different towns, different beaches, saw ruins. Um, getting the best information. This guy knew a lot of vets, and he had got gathered stories from them. So this was like a once in a lifetime 
opportunity. Again, I, I knew it was cool at the time, but not really able to fully appreciate it. If it happened to me mm-hmm. now at 28, I would just die. Um, so things are going well. Things are looking up. All this to say, my cousin and I in this one village called San Mariglise, we had like 30 minutes to kill, so we wandered off and found a French bakery, and we got these beignets that to this day my cousin and I still talk about. They were the wow. best beignets I've ever eaten. Wow. Um, and, okay, so things are going well. And then one of the last stops on this Normandy World War II tour is what they call Pont du Hoc, which is a there's a big set of cliffs that the army rangers like literally scaled upwards on D-Day. They like repelled and climbed up the cliffs, 90 degree angle with Nazis shooting down at them. And they took this point in what is one of the most heroic feats in military history. And I think U.S. presidents go to this place every year on D-Day, June 6th, and, like, commemorate these soldiers. Very mm. sacred ground, very hollowed, like, and also quite literally hollowed. The ground is still, uh, there's all these massive craters at the top of the cliff because before the assault, the U.S. Navy off the coast just shelled it to try and kill as many Nazis as they could. And so you go there today, and you can tell it's... You know, these massive, like, 50-yard diameter craters, um, Mm. the earth just scarred from warfare. And so we're walking around these craters, and there's a few uh, bunkers still there and a lot of trenches. So the Germans would have dug trenches to travel um, from bunker to bunker and machine gun nest to machine gun nest to try and stay away from enemy fire. So... um, the soil is just littered with the remnants of warfare. Mm. Um, you can't you can't go down into the bunkers or really into mm-hmm. the the trenches. They're overgrown with weeds, and there's also a lot of barbed wire there. So you know we're, we're walking and uh, we're being guided, but we have to be very careful. And mm. there's a few other tour groups up there at this time, so we're not alone. And <laughs> at one point. Uh, being 17, mm-hmm. uh, I have a digital camera and I like want to take a lot of pictures because, um, that, Hey, that's how you took pictures, but also Facebook is a thing at this time. Like mm-hmm. it's really hitting its stride in 07. And so you want to, you know, yeah, you, you weren't really there if you're not on a five megapixel Sony digital camera listening to none of the tour, taking photos. <laughs> and like you, you want your crush to see it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're cultured. You, if you've you, done that, <laughs> you gotta show it to the world. You gotta, people need to see that beignet. And when you're a 17 year old boy, you want to distinguish yourself. So you're trying to like do cool jumping photos and cool mm-hmm. illusions. And like, you, you, did, a lot, you did a lot of those. I was you, a big jumper. You were, you really got it. And you would like the illusions, right? Like of trying to make it look like you were holding like a castle in your hand. <laughs> I'm like leaning against the leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> oh, what's this? Uh, yeah. You've got a pizza on the other hand. Do you guys mind if I take Leaning a quick tower rest? of pizza? Question mark? ZZA? Okay, sorry. I have to explain the whole joke. It's not any good. What did you say? Do you mind if I take a what? A rest? Quick rest on the leaning tower. <laughs> That's so good. Just brittle. Uh, All right, so you've got your camera. So we're on this walking tour at Pond du Hoc, and my cousin and I uh, deviate from the tour to get a few pics. Yeah. Hey, we'll catch up. We do that little, you know, uh, you guys go on without us. Don't worry about us. And nothing bad ever happened here. 
No, this isn't the beginning to every horror movie ever. And we step over to a trench. So this is a eight foot deep trench that is covered. We again, we cannot go down in this. It's just covered in vines and and barbed wire that the Nazis literally put there. So. And I'm trying to get this picture of what it it looks like I'm being like sucked into the trench and I'm having my cousin take the picture. So this was my genius idea for a Facebook photo. And as I approach the trench, I'm about a foot, foot and a half away from it. Mm -hmm. All the soil erodes. It all gives way. No. In my mind, I'm like, I can go right up to the edge of the trench. But the trench has now broadened it has engulfed me. What? So I'm sliding no. into a World War II era trench, but I'm trying to stop myself. And like by reflex, I just like grab the, the digital camera and I start snapping photos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dude, I, wait, wait. Is the trench off limits? Did you say that? It's hella off limits. What are you doing in there? You just thought it like it's roped off, literally, or what? No, it's not roped off, but it's just like don't go near that. And I thought I could go near it, but the soil has given way, so now I'm sliding <sighs> into the trench. Is Jordan with you in this trench? He he's a couple feet away from me. He's not sliding, but as I'm sliding into it, you're like, like tour guide. Where? Why? Why did I leave this tour? <laughs> I'm grabbing all these like vines and plants to stop myself, to catch myself yeah. from falling completely into it. How, how fast do you fall? Are we talking like quicksand fall or is it like you just fell immediately and grabbed on? It's a, it'd be like... Is it slow, kind of slow motion-y? You know how, if you've been on like sand dunes? Yes. You know how yeah. it, 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 it's not quicksand, but you have a second, but it's happening very quickly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's happening too quickly for me. The ground ah. beneath my feet is crumbling too quickly. I can't get away from it, but all I can do is mm. sl- slow it down by grabbing these vines. Yeah, are you? Is it? Is it? You're slowing it down. Is it? Stop, are these vines? Is it stopping you? So I grab the vines and slide some more, but eventually I I am stuck. I grab them and I'm about two thirds of my body is in this trench and a third Ugh. of it is above. I mean, this is like a movie where you're like, go on without me. Yeah, I saw it. It's called Saving Private Ryan. You're at, you're at the, <laughs> oh, pun there on Ryan. You're literally at the site. Yeah. And you're engulfed. Uh, two thirds of your body is under soil, underground? It's in this trench. And <laughs> I look at my cousin and I say, help me and i swear <laughs> he snaps a photo <laughs> he is cr- he's laughing he's oh. like losing his proverbial stuff he's like bent keeled over crying from laughter and i'm no. like this isn't funny i think he thinks it's a joke yeah 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 and you're actually in, like i might die i'm freaking out cuz you can you the bottom is you haven't found the bottom it's not solid well about halfway up it starts to become barbed wire. So I'm looking at my leg, and my leg is now ensnared in barbed wire. You are kidding me. Now, fortunately, because I dressed like Larry David, I had long <laughs> ca- khaki pants and tube socks I had cargo and new balance. Pants. Oh, so so you're but you're in barbed wire. My leg is is ensnared. I'm. It hurts. I'm not like bleeding, but 
This is podcast material right here. I'm trying to grab myself out with these vines, but they're uh, not strong enough, and my leg is caught. And you're and you're really your sole help is losing it, laughing at you. Yeah, my only ally. So he he just thinks this isn't like a maniacal grief processing laugh is what I my mind jumped <laughs> no, to. No, no, no. He actually is... thinks this is a joke. Every bit I've said so far has only happened in about four to five seconds. It's all really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels like once, a lifetime. Yeah, once it settles in, once we reach like the 20-second mark, and I'm like, dude, I'm seriously stuck here. He beckons to my dad, and my dad runs over. Mm. And he, in just like true dad fashion, reaches down yeah. and like... Dad strength. Grabs the barbed wire with his oh. bare hands and like gets my leg out of it. You're kidding. No. And... Chuck Shaver, mm. ladies and gentlemen. While he's doing this, this takes 10, 15 seconds. Mm. I mean, he, I think he's driven as much by embarrassment as anything. <laughs> <laughs> the dad's strength during embarrassment he's is like, explosive. It's like, I got to get God, get, get him out <laughs> of this. <laughs> as he's doing this, we're at, you know, the ground level. I look up at a bunker that's above ground, you know, 20 feet above ground. And... This is not too far away. And on top of the bunker is about 20 tourists. And they're all staring at me, watching me. And they're all like <laughs> European. I can hear them speaking French and German. Oh, no. And their tour has now stopped to <laughs> you, gaze You at are me. a part of the tour now. <laughs> I am now the main attraction. Oh. So again, 17, if it happened at 28, I'm like, ah, who cares? But this is fragile social days. <laughs> hey, you know what though? In the life of a tour guide, you don't learn a lot when you're, <laughs> when you're leading a tour. I imagine it gets pretty boring. This, this is gold for a tour guide. This is like my day. I do this eight times a day, and this is the only time where anything like this, where anything even different happens. Sure. Oh. This is just reinforcing every stereotype about the dumb American who like, <laughs> can't be yes. taken anywhere. Yes. You're in, you're just in German barbed wire in a matter of, and you, I love the quote of, <laughs> hey, don't worry about us when you peel off from the tour. <laughs> Hey, don't worry about us. We hey, thanks tour guide. We know you do this professionally, but we got this. <laughs> so so American. We'll next, catch up. Next thing you know, you're in a trench. Oh, that's so funny. I've just got ill-fitting clothes and like a trucker <laughs> hat on. <laughs> With like you've got a Vietnam hat on somehow. <laughs> like a family guy shirt. I got uh, a I got a fanny pack that is just barbed wired. <laughs> So what happens? You just does so, Charlie, your dad, does he get you out? My dad gets me out. He pulls me up. I climb out of the the trench and I'm just laying on the floor just like assessing the damage. I look at my pants. I'm like <laughs> Okay, thank thank God I had pants on. My leg would have been chewed up. Yeah. I had a few scrapes, but nothing too bad. Yeah. I had my tetanus shot. I'll be fine. Mm. And then, you know, a couple like a minute passes by and the embarrassment is kind of, okay, well, this sucks, but, and I, I'm standing up and I'm shaking myself off and I'm like, okay, I mean, mm -hmm. the worst is over. And all of a sudden my arm is on fire. It's just, mm. 
uh, I was looking at my legs so much that it hadn't looked at my arm. And I oh, no. look at my forearm, and my <clears throat> arm is just covered in hives. And it's red. What? The entire arm. Hives? Like like hives. And the whole arm has gone red. And like an allergic itches. reaction. Well, I don't know. In it the soil. Itches, and it oh. burns. And... It hurts, and it's one of the worst pains I've ever felt in my life. And I don't know if I knew it at the time, but what I had grabbed onto was this thing called, like, bull nettle. What? It's like bull nettle. It's like a vine that... Are you Googling it? Yeah, it's... I just saw, um, your, fa- I just saw your face light up. It's called bull, <laughs> bull nettle, so... Okay. This is like, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a botanist, so I can't talk about it, but if you touch it, it will, like, you will have a reaction. And so, Mm. but I didn't really know what had happened at the time. So I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, am I like, is my arm going to have to be amputated? What just happened? Mm -hmm. Is it in fact, I don't know what's wrong with it. Yeah. Because there's nothing rational about the ground giving out underneath you. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. Thinking, and then, so you're, you're thinking irrational thoughts. You're like freaking out. Wire, yeah. And as I'm <laughs> looking at my arm and now horrified, this, I swear this happened, this German tourist walks by <laughs> and says, what? Sti- <laughs> still casualties at Pont du Hoc. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Bro. Dude. Do we have to? <laughs> he got you so good. Oh, that's so good. Also, can the Germans say that? I don't know. Oh, it's like. Yeah, definitely not PC. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> we, like insult to injury right now. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> he burned you so bad. Just uh, like the bull nettle. Bond du Hoc. So I'm looking for sympathy right now. Yeah, yeah. You're looking for yeah, but a hug. My whole family is pissed. Why? What? I ruined the tour. Massive embarrassment. <laughs> Tour's ruined. Now, no, one, no one's losing it. Laughing is Jordan. Is Jordan? Is he processed now? Like he's no longer laughing. He officially knows it's not a joke. The laughter has stopped. The laughter has stopped. <laughs> And I can't even get some sympathy. Everyone's pissed. <laughs> and your arm is high, breaking out in hives. Your mom's not yeah. concerned? Come on. I know, Sharon. If they, were, if they were concerned, it was superseded by like, are you like, are you serious right now? Why couldn't you just stay with the tour? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. It's so, like it's like half it's like forty percent concern, sixty percent you had to you had to break away from the expensive tour. Right. Yeah. And so the tour guide says, Well, I know a doctor, but it's Sunday, but let's get in the car. And cell oh. phones weren't we didn't have cell phones and his was super primitive and so the tour did end. We got in a car <laughs> a van and we're driving to the doctor and then my family goes we'll drop us off at the hotel first <laughs> so are you kidding me <laughs> we dropped my family off at the hotel and my mom stayed with me 
But everyone hated me so much in this moment that they were like, you know what? You can just sit here and uh, die. Because <laughs> we're at least going back and getting room service. They, oh my gosh, that's so good. Drop us off first. I, the hotel's actually on the way. <laughs> no. I'm thinking I'm thinking in terms of efficiency. No, this is me in the car as like your cousin just like messing with you. If if this were my brother, I would be like, actually I think the hotel is in route. <laughs> How does everyone feel about a drink at the bar and an appetizer? I actually know a great back road and happy hour is gonna end in thirty minutes, so we should probably We should Yeah. You're there's there's a crab rangoon we are not gonna want to miss. <laughs> So so, what happens? We're in France eating crab rangoons. Um, so we drop my family off. The tour guide <laughs> takes me to this French doctor. It's just you and the tour guide, and my mom. She stays. With oh, me. your mom. That's that's yeah. That's the Sharon we all know and love. Sure. Hope she's listening. Shout out. Shout out. Go to the just the cutest little village I've ever seen. Would have loved to gallivant around and you know do a Sunday picnic mm-hmm. in better circumstances, but. We get to this village, go into this cobblestone doctor's office. Adorable. Pinterest. Mm. Um, he sees me. Nicest guy. I've heard mm. that French people don't like Americans. Maybe you've got, true. You've got the soundtrack from Midnight in Paris in the background. It's just a whimsical and light. I'm reading a biography of Rodin in the waiting room. If I'm not mistaken. Uh. He sees me. He he left his home to come see me on this oh, Sunday. The tour uh, the tour is now the most expensive tour <laughs> they've had. I don't know what health insurance is like in France. He like goes under my armpit to check something and like mm. digs up there and to like feel my bone and he goes, "Oh, you're fine." You're what? It was like he's an ex. Like, it was like an exoskeletal check. He, he was even, like, he didn't even look at the hives. He was like, yeah, you. This is topical. I was checking to see if there had been some infection of your bone, but no. Gave me hydrocortisone. I lathered <laughs> that sucker on there for like four hours. Yeah, you went was, over. We all go overboard <laughs> with the hydrocortisone just, when we need to. Yeah. I'm just, just <sighs> icing on a cake. Yeah. Uh, recovered. <laughs> How quick? Uh, by that night, I was it watching... Was, it was a miraculous recovery. I was watching The Office. Um, <laughs> You're watching ordered, the American version? <laughs> ordered You're room like, service no, on I'm Dad's not dime. to the UK version of The Office. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so not only did I work off jet lag, I then had to burn off the familial shame of oh. kind of ruining the Normandy tour. <laughs> <laughs> it was my own tour of duty, you could say. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I, I did my time in the brig. Um, <laughs> but my cousin and I, to this day, still still quote, <laughs> st- st- still casualties of Pont du Hoc. <laughs> and, um, that is so good. That's the most quotable thing ever. If that happened to me, that would be... A bumper sticker in my family. It was just the most American thing to happen oh. on a European vacation. And uh, oh, 
That is so funny. Oh, <laughs> and, of, was... and of course, you were probably screaming. Like, that's why tourists are watching you. I was not screaming. I was stoic under... I was like a Thermopylae <laughs> 300 Spartan warrior. I was, I was stoic was, under battle. I was quoting Shakespeare as I was going under. <laughs> were you freaking... You, but you were loud, right? Can I get into my questions? Is I have questions. Let's proceed to questions. Yeah, <laughs> I got to process this a little bit with you. Um, one... I know your background as a history lover, as mm. a, uh, I don't, I don't know how to talk about your relationship with Boston university right now. I, I, I want to like tell the listeners about your situation <laughs> of you, you're getting your PhD, but you, or you were getting it or I, I don't know what, the, I don't know what the term, I don't know if you want me to bring it up or not, or if we're going to end it halfway through, I'm going on leave because okay. I got tired of being broke. Okay. There it is. Going to make um, some Gouda. In history, and you majored in history in college, correct? Yeah, through and through. Yeah, so majored in history in college. Um, got your master's from Boston Boston University. Was working towards your PhD. You're going on leave right now, but you did a, a huge three year chunk of this program. Mm. Super smart guy teaching history of Boston. What is it for you, particularly about World War II? Uh, maybe even, you know, the history of that, you know, something why that doesn't like just even saying like, we're going to go see Normandy. Like that doesn't really yeah. excite me personally, but I want to know why that excites you. So then I can get excited about it. What, what, like, what is it about World War II history? You know, give me some, give me some more there. Give us some more. Yeah. A few reasons come to mind. One, I think, and I'm not alone. I think if you poll Americans and they do care about a war, it's likely to be World War II or Vietnam. Mm -hmm. But I think why we care so much about World War II is proximity. We still have survivors from um, the U.S. Army and then also Holocaust survivors, right? So we're still living with this war. Second, we've grew up with its representations. So I grew up watching Save It, Priving Ryan and band of brothers and video mm -hmm. games like call of duty and medal of honor. And so it's been mythologized and culture. And so mm. when we consume that, it kind of feeds this interest and in like, well, what was this war? And then third, I think, and kind of finally, it's one of it. Not only was it the largest scale conflict in the 20th century involving the most people, most, most countries, mo most deaths, but also it's a rare war in that it's kind of, unambiguous in the good v evil so mm -hmm. vietnam's interesting because good and evil are really blurred so, mm -hmm. well i don't really know who the good side is um americans don't really look good here and in world war ii it's relatively easy to demarcate between good and bad now that said it's still messy if you consider stalin and mm -hmm. um western imperialism isn't necessarily a good thing but that said, stopping Hitler was an unambiguously noble mission. So I think in that way, World War II becomes very accessible mm. and very interesting, um, if only because of the scale of good and evil. Mm. And that, I, so yes, yes, that, that's great. Thank you. And so for you, that was that's the connection is like really that third. I mean, that's what gets you excited about the study of it is the unambiguity. Un I think it's yeah. I think it's I think it's th all three of those things. Mm. The sec the first one is really big because of proximity because 
having survivors means having access to stories that primary sources, primary sources that will yeah. many of which will die with the people. Mm-hmm. So the Civil War, we know a lot about the Civil War, but to look at someone and hear them talk about it or hear a secondhand story mm-hmm. that maybe is not written down and maybe will die one day. I mean, that's special. And I think I've always appreciated that Mm. or maybe increasingly so. So it's really cool to kind of get that like gritty textured grassroots version of history instead of just reading about it. That's a beautiful answer. Wow. That's really good. I honestly hadn't thought about that, Mm. about the, the, just the sheer access to primary, Sources, yeah. Living, yeah. Living, living yeah. Stories. Living. And if there's anything we appreciate on this podcast, it's stories. Um, Absolutely. Second question. Don't worry about us. This quote. Actually, <laughs> that I think that's my quotable of this. It's not so. the still casualties at Ponda Hawk. That's hilarious. That is totally quotable. But for me, I could not let go of the don't worry about us tour leave. <laughs> <laughs> rolled directly into your dad having to U-turn, sprint back, and just pure dad strength. Uh, rip this, and I've I love the I, I love the I, this image of Charlie Shaver, this just just getting down in there, ripping this barbed wire open. I, just going dad mode. I just pure dad mode, just pure adrenaline. Um, thoughts? I I I don't know what the question is here, other than just. Um, <laughs> Regrets Don't worry on, about <laughs> us. Do, do you regret leaving the tour? I guess maybe is the question. <laughs> yes, for sure. I think it's such an instance of youthful naivete because you just don't appreciate that you're in Europe where you don't have health insurance mm-hmm. and access to a doctor necessarily. And you don't, you can't just go to CVS. I mean, access to mm-hmm. medicine is different and you're on a vacation and it's not just about you. Mm. And you just don't think of when you maybe it's when you're 17. I don't know. Maybe it's being a 17 year old boy. You just do not consider things outside of yourself very often. And so mm. nowadays, I think I would walk through a bajillion steps in my mind, like what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, I just want to make like my mom and dad happy. So I probably would just <laughs> sh- shut up. I, I'd be like, "You let me know when you want me to go get the car. I'm gonna pull it around and yeah, valley slip. <laughs> this meal's on me using." <laughs> my debit card that my parents fuel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just, I think looking back at this, the hard part is seeing someone who's just so mm-hmm. self-centered, but self-centered, not out of m- malevolence, but just out of youth mm. uh, in the way that everyone is when they're a teenager. Re- uh, yeah, that's good. I appreciate that vulnerability and self-awareness. Mm. That's good. That's a great answer. Um, third question, not the final question I have for Third question, um, Jordan. J-Dog. Yeah, I really actually really appreciate the context of this story and um, that, you, that you gave us. I feel like you gave me permission to kind of laugh about it, and it was... It's funny. Yeah, it, it is. It is really funny. And um, is there anything you want to... Um, I mean, just in that, that grieving process, I mean, I know that... Um, there were obviously a lot of arrangements that were that were happening and I've I'm pretty sure you're involved in a number of them if I'm if I'm not mistaken but mm. how's he doing I mean how I mean what was I mean anything to add maybe just from from his perspective or anything else on that side of the story that that happened throughout the rest of the trip or um maybe not but 
Just wanted to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Jordan is he's one of the best men I know. I think the trip was successful insofar as that it, it kind of was a break. Mm-hmm. Physical change of scenery. I'm sure he obviously thought hourly about his late father. But if anything, it was a distraction. Um, mm-hmm. More so than staying at home would have been. He is, long story short, he is <clears throat> my parents. <clears throat> excuse me. He's a success story of all success stories. I mean, mm-hmm. had excuses to to be bitter, had excuses to uh, be unsuccessful and just kind of check out on life. Uh, in mm-hmm. Events like that and others where many people would have, maybe myself included, but he is just um, the most positive, caring, compassionate, lighthearted human who's still a human and feels mm-hmm. sorrow and anger, I'm sure, but... Um, just one of the best men I know who, who, who always chooses to have, uh, mm. a selfless uplifting attitude. So Man, that's Jordan, good. Jordan is the ultimate success of this story. Not me. Wow. I know you guys are thinking, you guys look at me, you think, oh, he's got it all together, <laughs> but it's, it's Jordan. You guys, yeah. I can tell. You really overcame a lot of tragedy <laughs> um, in this story. <laughs> On leave from grad school, just oh my gosh, what I dude, I yeah, that man, there's so much in that, and um, I I do, I mean, what is it? Maybe more than anything, what I'm hearing in this story, what's what's kind of registering for me is that maybe there's that it just reaffirms that there's something in terms of humor as a mm. as a as a way of that for me the funniest times in my life the things that are most funny are, are usually surrounded by some sort of tragedy or sadness mm. that like that maybe it feels like you you can't be funny because you're supposed to be sad and that makes whatever it is that happens even if it's silly or you know whatever like as as simple as like you fall into a trench or like it makes it that much funnier um i don't know like what do you what do you what is it about humor and, and grieving or tragedy or sadness that, uh, what are these, what do these two things have to do with each other? Do you think in the story? That's a great question. I wish I w- that was very eloquent. I wish I was eloquent enough to have a, a concise answer. Does yeah. Seem- and the, of course I, I go super deep, but if you, I don't know, it just feels like a deep, the story just runs deep. I think for me, it does. It does seem that it's also important to realize that what's funny in retrospect, is not always funny in the moment. This is one of, mm. you know, the weirder stories of my life, and <laughs> maybe one of the funnier ones in some way, and maybe sadder in other ways. But I'm kind of glad it happened in the end because mm-hmm. it was a heck of an experience. And I mean, there were, I always think like there's months of my life that I just don't remember, but then I'll always remember this this five mm. minutes. Um, but it does seem that tragedy and humor maybe travel hand in hand, and. Sometimes one will go ahead on the trail and the other follows later. But, um, man, I was just thinking if I was invited on a trip after my parent passed away, I probably would not go. And so, I'm again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pulled back to Jordan and, like, I was surprised he ended up coming with us. Obviously, mm-hmm. super glad he did. But... But first class was out of the question. First class was out of the question. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's maybe a good lesson in like mm. saying yes to life and Yeah. Um doing Do you think do you think he really wanted to go? I think he did. Or do you think he forced himself to? I think he wanted to go. Yeah. I think sitting at home was not the And and then of course that's not a statement on the, the wonderful Shaver family. It's just a statement on the situation. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean I want to name no, that. No, no, for sure. Um 
You yeah. so you really you think he, he you think maybe he thought he needed it or something like it was it was going to be it was something he needed wanted to do. Yeah, I think he wanted to go before, mm. and then that ne- that didn't necessarily change. But then I'm, I think maybe my grandma or his mom, my aunt. I wonder if someone encouraged him to go as well and said, this could be mm. good for you. So words of wisdom. Mm. Um, That's good. But yeah, it's it's an odd kind of uh, nexus of tragedy and comedy and youth and adolescence and mm. adventure and wasted adventure at the same time. It's <laughs> a, a vacation that, an experience that was very unique to being 17. and For sure. Um songs i listen to songs today and they'll take me back to this trip you know that i was listening to at the time yeah um, yeah uh, but anyway i mm, uh, that's good it's a beautiful it's a beautiful story final question you've answered yeah. it already in, in a number of ways but we'd like to end the podcast with it uh what did you learn what was the yeah, takeaway i touched on it yeah i guess um several things probably the the biggest, if I look back at this and I, I'm mostly embarrassed by this story and kind of, especially on vacation, these, these like heightened moments when, man, there's so many mechanisms at play that you as a kid don't see all the money that your parents worked for to spend mm-hmm. for this vacation, all the planning, you just kind of sit back and accept the ride and don't even think about the logistics and, and, and get mad about coach. Which is exactly <laughs> it's absurd, and your parents just worked forever yeah. to make this vacation happen, mm. and your brother flew home from college, and your younger sisters are there, and your cousin mm-hmm. is there, and hoping he can have a nice time, and it's just so many things at play, and then I was just going through it, thinking me, 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 and silly, sillily, like I'm gonna get a Facebook picture, so Kayla Graham thinks I'm cool. Uh, name drop. She's she's married. <laughs> you just became you just became 17 again. I love it. Just to even talk about it, you slip back into that like I wanted her to see it. I wanted her to know. Precisely. Course, that's what I was thinking about when I listened to those songs and took those pictures. <laughs> well, and couldn't couldn't this be fuel for that? Like you've got a torn up leg you've got torn up cargo <laughs> army cargo pants you've got you've got a, you know your arm is high i mean this these are the photos you take right depending like, on how i warp the narrative yes i think it could be <laughs> took her to, exactly. took her to homecoming that year actually and then totally ruined it because i went after someone else uh but <laughs> also <laughs> this oh I this reminds it. me of another great story called senior year um uh, yeah maybe next time no, Man, never. that's so funny. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think all this to say, think about think about what's mm-hmm. outside of yourself. Seventeen um, or not, man, we I have those moments yeah, where it's like, absolutely. your universe is not the universe. Absolutely, man, that's good. Ryan Bard, Ryan, well done. I was one hundred percent, unequivocally, without a doubt, not bored to death. Thank you for being our Bard. Bardcore brother. Um, Hardcore, man. Thanks for listening to uh, 101.2. Oh, wait, wait, I got the actual, yeah. He's got it. Listeners, thank you for listening to 102.1, The Veg Table. I am your host, Cauliflower Colin, joined by my co-host. The slippery, the smooth, Samuel Salami. (laughs) Why why did you make it Samuel? Oh, that's so good. Sammy Salami, he got his way into the vegetable.
veg table. Serendipitous moment that we have to end on. Do it. I did not. I did not plan this, but my late uncle Jordan's father was named Samuel. Sammy. You're kidding. I did not plan this, and I. It it just hit you when you said Samuel. Yeah, this is not the homage that I had in mind. <laughs> Sammy Salami. A pun with alliteration and a made up uh, radio <laughs> intro show. That's the it is kind of crazy though. It's I did not plan that. that we I we did the intro. I I literally had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I didn't was. know. I didn't know your radio intro, so I didn't just know. so you, just so you guys know, I know we don't talk about it much. We like to keep it. Uh, we like to keep it close to the old vest. But these radio intros, Ryan, whoever is not the bard, comes up with the radio intro, and the uh, the bard has to on the fly make up a name that works with whatever the radio situation I have conjured up, or vice versa that Ryan has conjured up, and he came out with uh, Salami Sam. Which is actually, now that I just said it backwards, is the guy's name from Heavyweights. <laughs> His name was, he says when he's swimming, watch out for Salami Sam. It is Oh true. my gosh. This is, and then I quoted it Heavyweights when he said it subcontiously because this is, Freudian slip, I knew it was from Heavyweights. That's so weird. If this is, this anyone is, is listening, which they're not, which thank they're you. Please, I'm thank glad you for we have off. a witness. <laughs> I'm keeping all this in because it's fun. Okay, buddy. It's just good fun. Listeners, till next time, Ryan, you want to cue up that intro music? Tell me when you're going to press play. I'm sorry, outro music. Mr. Sandman. Oh, we're going to impose it. We're going to end it right now. Here comes the outro music. We'll be back next Monday with a fresh story that you won't want to miss. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or our website, bardtodeath.com. And if you're really vibing us, consider writing us a review in the iTunes store. Have a story of your own that you'd like to share with Ryan and I? We'd love to hear it. Email it to us at connect at bardtodeath.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Our outro music is graciously provided by Ryan's band. We are Tall Boys. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Bandcamp. Until next time, we hope our story in some way helps you find the humor, beauty, and truth in your own story. I'm Colin Apshabear, and this has been Bard Today. And this nature. What's it for, legislator, when my thoughts are so obscene? There's peace in your headlights. The mother's got seven daughters and sons. Each one is a struggle.